house. This is again the second miracle that Jesus de did when he was come out of Judea into Galilee. Glory to God. Um, notice right here at the end, it says, um, verse 53, So the father knew that it was the same hour in which Jesus said unto him, Thy son liveth, and himself believed and his whole house. You can give, if, if um, healing occurs in somebody's life, uh, not only will they dedicate, if by, by the laying on of hands or by the power of God, somebody receives a miraculous healing, not only will that miraculous healing cause that person to get saved, but it will cause every person in the household to get saved. Possibly. Uh, It'll cause... It can. It will. It did. It will. Uh, go to Acts chapter 16. <laughs> I done started something. <laughs> 16. Maybe that's where I need to go. I don't know, but it's hot. Oh, now you're hot. Well... <laughs> <laughs> I've been hot since I got here. Holy Ghost, help me. Oh, yeah. Let's hop on. Uh, Acts 16, this is Paul and Silas. They're in the jail. They start singing praises to God. And uh, the whole jail is shooken. And the jailer's about to kill himself because he thinks all the prisoners escaped. And if he doesn't kill himself, his commanding officers will. And uh, Paul cries out and he says, no, don't kill yourself. We're still here. Look in verse uh, uh, 28 and let's read on down to verse 34. But, but Paul cried with a loud voice saying, do thyself no harm for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized he and all of his straight away. And Wait a minute. Who got saved? His whole house. How did they get saved? Well, they did by confessing the Lord. But what got them to accept salvation? Well, the miracle. 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 Miracle deliverance. Don't you know that being miraculously healed is miracle deliverance? Yes. If miracle, uh, if miracle got the guard in his whole house saved, don't you think miracle healing will get uh, your house saved? Yeah. Well, that's one spot. Okay. Let's go to Acts. <laughs> okay. Let's go to Acts. Oh, come on. Where are we at here? Glory to God. That's two spots, actually, because the last one we were reading. And yeah, but you asked, yeah, well, come on. <laughs> yep, that's where we need to be. 
Eu não. Well, it'll come to me. The Holy Ghost will bring it to me. Let's go back to. Let's go back to the book of John. It'll come to me in Jesus' name. Boy, I was so rudely interrupted with doubt. I'm picking. I'm picking. I'm I'm picking. I'm picking. How much do you know? You can dismiss. You can easily. This is a good teaching moment. You can easily dismiss the things of God. You can easily. God is a faith God. The word says that we have to be moved by faith, not by sight. We have to be moved by faith, not by what we feel. We have to be moved by faith, not what we think. The only thing that can move, uh, the only thing that should be able to move us is the word of God itself. The word of God itself. And God operates by patterns. Now, of course, of course, um, you know, God, God won't go against a person's will. And if they absolutely flat out refuse to get saved, God won't force them to get saved. If he would force them to get saved, we'd all be saved and out of here. And the devil would be defeated. But he won't force him. But God can put a desire in somebody to change their will. God can send laborers in their path. God can pull back the veil of the spirit and allow them to see some things in the spirit to help their disbelief. Uh, God, can, God, can create, God can do miracles to help break the disbelief in somebody's life. But if you, who are a child of God, who, uh, who, are belie who believes in the powers of God, who believes that you're a carrier of God, you have a responsibility to not doubt. You have a responsibility to stand in faith. If you had asked me prior to a year ago, just over a year ago, if there was any way possible for my aunt to get saved, I'd tell you no. I'd tell you no. But God supernaturally moved things for her that she came out of a very dark land. She lived in Washington, D.C., just outside of it. Talk about being in a spiritually dark place for basically the majority of her life. I was going to say most of her life. For the majority of her life, she was in a very spiritually dark place. And God supernaturally caused some things to come to pass where she felt because, of, because she was so consumed with fear uh, that her, where she lived because they were renovating it, that, it, that at any day they were going to kick her out on the streets and she'd be a, she'd be a homeless lady at 80 years old. And uh, God supernaturally provided us a house to move into that gave her her own space, moved her down here, and we thought this will be it. And man, she was hard, 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 right up to about 24 to 36 hours before she went home. Why? Because God answered our prayers and pulled back the veil. And the scripture that I stood on which is the one I was looking for in Acts, uh, is where, um, where, the angel, where, where the angel of God told Cornelius, he said, there's one coming that's going to tell you about the Messiah, and when he comes, you and your whole house shall be saved. So I, stood, I just stood on the Lord. I just stood on the word. And I said, Lord, I mean, for years I stood on, she's family, so she's part of my household. 
but my faith kind of wavered on that a little bit because I'm, you know, household means household. Huh? What? Well, that's what I stood on. That's what I believed in. That's what I stood on. And then the Lord supernaturally moved things. You have what you say. You have what you say. My aunt is part of my household, therefore she she is saved. Supernaturally, God supernaturally rearranged things that she literally lived under our roof. And guess what? She was saved 24 to 36 hours before she stepped into eternity. But that would not have happened if we had wavered. That would not have happened if we quit. In fact, about six months before we moved, I found out later her daughter got, got on her face before God and wept great tears knowing that her mom was fixing to go to hell. And she said, God, I can't do this anymore. I can't help with my mom. She fights me at every turn. She's hard. She's difficult. She's, uh, I can't take the pressure of knowing she's going to hell. I need a miracle, God. And her husband got down on his knees with her, and he said, Honey, that's what you need. Let's pray for a miracle. And they prayed for a miracle, and a miracle took place. See, they got weak, and they called in the backups. But you can't waver on the things of God. If you're believing for healing, you cannot waver. If you, you cannot waver. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter that the finger's only straightened out part way. No, it's completely straight. It's completely straight. It's completely straight. It doesn't matter that the gums filled in, but the teeth aren't there. No, they are there in Jesus' name. They're growing. They're there. My body's whole in Jesus' name. I could get disheveled and say, well, God, why'd you give him the miracle knuckle and you left me over here waiting for, her, for a part, and I'm over here with a partial miracle. That's not my job. God knows what he's doing. You know what? We're a walking testimony. He's the instant miracle. I'm the progressive miracle. <laughs> Praise God. Guess what? They're both miracles. Yep. They're both creative miracles. doesn't matter how long it takes. But it's very important that I do not waver. It's very important that I don't say S maybe. It's very important that I don't say, well, perhaps. In fact, let me go ahead and lie. Let me lie. Let me go ahead and tell on myself. Let me go ahead and tell on myself. The night of the miracle healing service. I've had problems in my knee, but they've been in the front of my knee, not the back of my knee. I went home, the front of my knee felt amazing. The back of my knee was as tight as it could be. It wanted to fold up, and the devil said, not only did you not get healed, you actually got worse. Oh, no, devil. And I didn't even acknowledge it. I did everything I could to walk as normal as I could possibly walk. I did. I, did. I was doing good. But then yesterday, I came under attack physically. Just... Sinuses are being attacked out of nowhere for no good reason. My stomach's upset for no good reason. And I, I had stuff I had to do, and I just looked at Michael, and I said, I don't feel good. i got to go lay down. I got up, and that finger was drawn up, drawn back up. 
And I looked at it, and I realized what I did, and I got on my face, and I repented before the Father God. And I said, oh, no, Satan, you take that package back. I, I kill that seed in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that I'm perfectly held. I'm perfectly well. I'm perfectly strong. Every part of my body is perfectly right. Amen. Why? Because I started to waver. I started to waver. But the second I recognized I wavered, I changed. I repented, and I got right back on it. So guess what? That delayed the miracle. But the miracle has still taken place. It has still taken a place. So we can't delay. We can't. We can't question. We can't say. And I understand. Well, I know, but it's somewhere down farther in there. Right. Uh, it's in chapter 10, uh, Cornelius. Yes, Miss Bridget. Right. There you go. There you go. There you go. Confirmation. Con sometimes you. Sometimes God will drop something in your spirit, like, you know, during prayer. God said, "Tell her to go ha lay hands on somebody we're believing for healing for." And she was just saying, "As I've been going, because we're doing prayer and healing school, I've been really working my healing scriptures more and underlining and writing and what have you." And she said, "In the scriptures, because that." She said, the scriptures about old age and, and living to your full life, she said, those just keep kind of settling down in me, and I keep thinking about Crystal every time I read them. And so confirmation, confirmation, yeah, I'm supposed to go minister to her. Sometimes you just need that, especially when you're first starting out in these things, learning these things. But you just have to understand, look at what he said. In verse 53 of John 4, it says, so the father knew. The father knew that at the same hour in which Jesus said unto him, Thy son liveth, and himself, and himself believed, and his whole house. When he asked for, the, when he asked for Jesus to, to heal his, his son who was at the point of death, he didn't believe that Jesus was the Lord. But when he saw the miracle, he and his household believed. Amen. He and his household believed. So now let's go back to the beginning of this in verse 45, and let's pick this thing apart a little bit. All right. Then when he was coming to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did at Jerusalem at the feast, for they also went unto the feast. So here these Galileans went to the feast. What feast? The wedding feast. Mm -hmm. He went to the wedding feast. How do you know? Keep reading. So Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee, where he made the water wine. Now let me be very clear. Jesus is not pro-alcohol. In fact, he took the fermented wine that was rotting and turned it, uh, he, he, he turned the water, he, he didn't, I misspoke. He turned the water into the freshest squeezed juice the bible calls you know wine you don't know what wine is wine is fruit juice that is rotted that yeast have eaten Today, peed and pooped in and died in and they scoop it off and what's left that's what they bottle up and sell it to you with wine 
It's poison. It's what it is. Go look up the process. Uh, Jesus didn't. Jesus, the great healer, is not gonna is not gonna serve his people poison. In the Greek, they only have one word for juice and and both types of wine. The word is the word that we translate it to be is the word wine. Have you ever have you ever fresh fresh fruit? Have you ever squeezed fresh fruit out of the out of the grapes? Uh, what comes out of there? Alcohol or juice? Juice. 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 That's exactly right. So when it talks about the wine presses and the wine of the wine presses, what are they getting? Juice. The fresh wine was fresh juice. That was the best of the drink because once the juice starts to ferment, it gets a bitter taste. It gets a bitter taste. How much do you know you can get a sugar high from juice? You drink enough juice and man, it, I mean, woo, we're flying on some sugar, right? That's how those little yeast feel too. Uh, but no, any case, any case, uh, no. So it was traditional at a wedding that they would serve the freshest wine, the freshest juice, and progressively, progressively they would serve. That juice is about a day old. That juice is about two days old. That juice is about three days. Progressive. That juice is about, a, a, we're out of like the three-day wine uh, juice. Now we got to get the week-old juice. Or last year's juice. And then we got to get <laughs> last month's juice. How much do you know? The older it gets, the more bitter, the more rotted it gets. And, and, but, but, but really, the, really, the party goers aren't concerned about it because they're so high on the sugar that they just, and they're so accustomed that the, the more you drink, the just grosser it tastes. They're accustomed to it. So when Jesus, feel, when Jesus turned the water into wine, this is what those in attendance said. They said, wow, usually they serve the best wine at the beginning. But you've served the best wine at the end. No. They served out their good wine and their old wine. And then Jesus made fresh wine, brand new wine. How much you know that was a sign, wonder, and miracle? Sign, wonder, and miracle. Glory to God. So, and that's important that you know that, that these people, had, they, they were at the feast. They, they went from drinking the really tasty wine to the really bad wine to the amazingly fresh wine. And they said, and they all went, wow, where did this come from? And everybody pointed and said, he made it out of water. See, they had seen a sign and a miracle. Let's keep reading. All right. Uh, verse 47. Yes. Oh, no, halfway through verse 46. Right. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son. So, he, so Jesus is in the same place. They all know about Jesus because he made the really good wine out of water. And this man uh, hears that Jesus is here. And, and, you know, the miracle, the miracle maker, the miracle worker is in town. And he's like, man, I said, my, he, he says he besought him. That means... He was hoping and a wishing and a believing, besought, hoping and a wishing and a believing that Jesus would do something. All right. For he was at the point of death. Then said Jesus unto him, 
except ye see signs and wonders, you will not believe. So basically, Jesus called the man to the floor. He basically, Jesus said, uh, unless I do a miracle for you, you're not going to believe, right? Right? How much, you know, people do that all the time. People do that all the time. Pastor Mike was just talking to somebody recently, and, and I don't think this is their heart by any means. Uh, they grew up in a different denomination, and uh, they've started reading and studying and seeing uh, that healing is, belongs to believers and that you can lay hands on it and on people and that they can be healed and receive and, and healed and what happened and they can be healed. And uh, they were asking, they, were asked, they found out Michael was a pastor and they were asking him, uh, well, does your church believe in healing? And we said, yeah, we believe in healing. He says, you do that laying on a hands thing? Michael said, yeah, when the spirit leads that way. He said, man, I, he said, I, he said I'm, I'm, I'm pretty interested in seeing some of that. Seeing some of that. Uh, now, I don't believe this is his heart. I believe God is revealing to him his power and might, and he's, he's wanting to know if it's true, if what he's reading is true, and I understand that. But, it, but how much you know, there are people that are looky-lures. There's people that are looky-lures. There's a lot of people that go to big meetings, and they're going to look for the spectacular, and they totally miss the supernatural. Totally miss the supernatural. And so basically, Jesus said, are you here for your son, or are you here to see spectacular? And look at what this man says. The nobleman, the nobleman said unto him, Sir, come down, ere my, son, my child die. He just, obviously this man looked at Jesus with pure hopelessness in his, in his eyes. The air probably had gone out of his bubble. He probably thought when Jesus said, you just want me to do a sign and a wonder, he probably deflated. And he just said, sir, please just come help my son. How much you know that's faith? That's, I mean, it's deflated faith, but it's faith. It's hope. It's hope. And faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. He said, he just looked at Jesus and he said, Jesus, just come down. Or my son's going to die. He said, just come down. Look at the mercy of God. Jesus saith unto him, go thy way, thy son liveth. Now this man, he asked Jesus to come with him. God doesn't always do things the way you want it done. He doesn't. He doesn't always move in the timing that you want it. He doesn't always move in the way you want him to move. He doesn't always bring things to pass the way you want it to come to pass. He doesn't. Truth be told, I wanted an instant miracle. Not the way I wanted it. But I got my miracle nonetheless. I got it, no I got it nonetheless. Absolutely. You too, absolutely. We all did. Come on. And he so he looked at this man. He's testing, he, he, he's saying, man, he, he asked this, this nobleman. Now, noblemen are not accustomed to not getting things done their way. You need to understand that. Noblemen, when they, get, when, they, when they say come and go and come and do, people respond. People respond. Remember in the Old Testament, the king that had leprosy, and he came, and he came to the prophet, and the prophet said, go dip yourself in the river seven times. And the king said, 
I'm royalty. You're going to tell me to dip my body in the dirty river seven times? Noblemen are accustomed to having things done the way they think it's going to be done. Also notice in verse 49, uh, the nobleman saith unto him, Sir. Sir. And that's capitalized. Right. It, it's capitalized. Means that means he said it with emphasis and in respect. Yeah. And this is a nobleman talking to, as far as he knows, a carpenter. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So when he said, Sir, that gave Jesus the indication this man of nobility is submitting to my authority. And so he told him, he said, go thy way. Go thy way. And so in this moment, this nobleman has to make a decision. Are you going to take the miracle worker at his word? Or are you going to take it by what you see? Because he was wanting to see Jesus go with him. And all Jesus gave him was his word. So many of us want to see before we will believe. And that's not how miracle, that's not how healing takes place. Why? Because God is a faith God. We must believe first and then we will see. And so Jesus put this man in a position where this man had to believe by his action. He had to do a faith action in order to see. And it says, and the man did what? The man he believed. He believed what? The word that Jesus the had word. spoken. And I want you to know, this is not, that word right there is not rhema. That word right there is logos. It doesn't say the man believed the spirit spoken word. He said the man believed the word. When we go and we lay hands on people, sometimes it's the spirit spoken word. Because the spirit prompts us. But sometimes it's nothing more than somebody comes to you and says, I need healing, and you know you're supposed to lay hands on the sick and they're supposed to be healed. What are you depending on? The written word. Did you catch that? I, I, guess, I guess a couple of people going, tilt, tilt. Yes. We need, yes, spirit-spoken words is what makes things happen. But sometimes... We have, in fact, most of the time, we have to act upon, logos means written word. Most of the time, especially once you're born again, mo, do you know that most signs, wonders, and miracles are for the, really, uh, sign, wonder, and miracle healings are primarily, primarily for the lost? They're a dinner bell for salvation. Once you come into the church and you know that God's a healer, and once you've been taught to stand on the word, once you've been taught to, that you have what you say and you, and you have to confess and you have to bring into existence your word, once you've been taught that you're to stand by faith, you, we, we stand and walk by faith, not by sight, that God expects you to do it. And so most Christians, uh, the old Pentecostal pastors in the days of healing, would say this. They would say the hardest people to get healed were the Charismatics and the Pentecostals. Why? Because they were steeped in the preaching of healing. And they were always looking for the supernatural. And they were missing the, or they were always looking for the spectacular, and they were missing the simplicity of God's word. They wanted to come up to the healing line 
And they wanted a non-believer miracle. miracle because, well, I'm a child of God and that's what I deserve. God expects his children to grow up. God expects, him, God expects us to learn to obtain healing on our, own mer on our own faith and our own working of the word. That's what he expects. But this man didn't have that. This man wasn't even a believer. So this man, but even in this situation, God didn't, Jesus didn't speak a spirit-spoken word. Jesus spoke the written word. He said, go, act in faith, and your son's healed. And the nobleman said, he gave me a command to go and, and that my son was healed, so I'm going and I believe in my son's healed. Guess what? When you have hands laid on you, rather you feel anything or not, you go and you believe you've been healed. You lay hands on yourself. Believe. Believe, believe. I started my faith off in believing that I could lay hands on people and get them healed by laying hands on myself for hiccups. You have to exercise your faith. You have to exercise it. Well, praise God, I learned how to exercise the laying on of hands over my own stomach for getting over hiccups. Now listen, when I'm talking hiccups, I'm not talking little baby irritating hiccups. I'm talking hiccups so bad that I've been asked to leave stores before. Because I was disrupting people's shopping experiences. Rough, ex rough. I usually go hide in the next aisle. He does. He does. Well, I don't have that problem anymore. Uh, but so once I got that down, guess what I started doing? I started laying hands on my dogs. Because they were, you know, I had a puppy that would get hiccups. I'd lay my hands on him and say, hiccups go in Jesus' name. Father, this, your, your word says that a righteous man regards the life of his beast. This is my beast. I regard his life. And I command the healing power of God to go in him. And I command these hiccups to stop now in Jesus' name. And, he'd, and I'd have my hand on his belly and his little belly go. And I said, no, I commanded you to stop. And then they'd stop. Woo, Jesus. Got past. Got past, I was praying over my dogs. Then I had a bird come up with a cyst on her eye. I reached in her cage, jerked her out, put my thumb on her eye, and commanded that cyst to go in Jesus' name. When I walked away, went about my business, come out, saw two days later, and I got to looking at her, and I, and I mean, I, I grabbed that bird out of the cage so fast, come running in the house, and went, look, look, look. And they're going, what? I said, there's no cyst, there's no cyst. What was I doing? I was exercising my faith. Oh, praise the Lord Jesus. Shortly thereafter, uh, Lord made us a youth minister. So guess what? I started exercising. Oh, no, before that, I was exercising my faith on the bees and the bugs. And then I moved up from bees and bugs to exercising my faith on the rain. Do you know that, do you know that the prophet called, told the rain to stop for three and a half years? I said, Lord, if your prophet can command the rain to stop for three and a half years, I can command it to stop while I drive. And I started commanding the weather. And guess what? It responded. Yeah. Yeah. I said, Lord, it can rain all around us, but it can't rain right here. I'm working right here. And it did. That, yeah, there was something about talking to the dew on the ground because I needed the ground wet or dry. I don't remember. You know, we don't lay talismans, but when I started talking to the weather. And guess what? God's word's true. Whatsoever you say... You'll have, you'll have what believe you say. When you, when believe. You say 
Believe, believe, believe in your heart when you speak, because you have what you say. Believe, command in my name. Jesus said, command in my name and I'll do it. Ask the Father in my name and he'll do it. So I started doing that. And me and Jesus made us youth ministers. So I started showing the youth how you could command the bees. We went out and did car washes. And the kids came out there, and, you know, old Smoky Mountains, you know, rain rolls in any time. They'd be out there, Miss Robbie, it's going to rain. It's going to, shh, hush, stop it, close your mouth. Come here, let me show you something. We'd so I'd speak to that rain, I'd tell that rain to go. Miss Robbie, I, don't you open your mouth. You better shut your mouth right now. Don't say nothing against my words. I did. I did call one of them my dad. I said, I said, close your mouth, y'all. Dalton Thomas? I did. I was, I, listen, come on. And uh, before they knew it, the sun was out. By the time the car wash was over, they were all burnt crispy critters. They right. were, they were like, Lord Jesus, send the rain. Come on, Miss Jesus. Miss Robbie, pray and send it back. <laughs> Miss Robbie, can you pray for a cloud? <laughs> come on. I did. We prayed for fires. Not that anybody get hurt, but we needed a paycheck. <laughs> Truth. I was a little embarrassed several years later when somebody, when 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 uh, when, so, when uh, Brother Randy's right hand man, Saint Chris, uh, put two and two together. He said, he said, Miss Robbie. I said, Yes, sir, Chris. He said, Let me ask you a question. I said, Okay. He said, You don't have to answer it if you don't want to. And I said, okay. He said, so Mr. Mike, he's a firefighter. I said, wildland firefighter, yes. He said, and that's when y'all make a good chunk of your money is when he's on those fires. I said, yes, sir. He said, and, you don't have, and he prefaced it again. You don't have to answer me if you don't want to. I said, okay. He said, but I'm curious. I said, yes, Chris. Uh, he said, do y'all pray for fires? And I, I turned a little red and laughed a little bit, and I said, Chris, I cannot lie. I don't mind to answer you. Yes, we do pray for fires. I said, but we always pray that they're in areas far away from populations and that no populations are inflicted, that there's no harm to anybody, that nobody's... So we, we pray very cautiously, but yes, we do pray for fires. And he was like, and I, and, and I prefaced it with this. I said, now, let me, let, I said, now, Chris, I do have to explain this. There are parts of our country that God created to burn because there's plants that unless they go through a fire, they won't germinate. I said, so we're not praying for national disaster. We're just praying that God would uh, cause the land to do what the land was created to do. <laughs> He said, oh, well, that makes sense. In fact, out west, uh, <laughs> if you've ever seen those big, pretty, kind of orange-colored pines, they're ponderosa pines, they, they won't germinate unless there's a fire. So, Yeah. So, in any case, back to the healing school. <laughs> well, I mean, we've been on healing the whole time. My point is, is you can't waver. This man had to do, an, do an, a, a faith of act, an act of faith, uh, and it says that he believed the word. Guess what? Believers, you've got to believe the word. I love that Miss Bridget said, 
I've been working the healing scriptures. I take them. I look them up. I underline them. I meditate on them. Brother Richard said a couple days uh, earlier in the week that, uh, you know, because he's been healed of Parkinson's, praise Jesus. The symptoms are, are being resistant to going, but he's healed. And uh, he says, he says, any time, he said, any time, a slightest little symptom will show up. He said, I just go get the healing, the health food. Or I'll go get the healing scriptures and I'll begin to read them. And as, as I'm reading them, the symptoms just go away. What's he doing? He's working the word. That's what Jesus wanted this man to do. Mm -hmm. He said, I gave you the word, now work it. The man went on his way, just pray. He, it doesn't say that he went praising the Lord, but it does say that he went on, that he went believe, that he believed, you know. Uh, if this was my child, I'd be, I'd be walking with tears in my eyes. Father, thank you. Thank you, Father God. The miracle worker said that my child is, is, uh, is well. Yep. Father, I thank you that, my, that, uh, that he said that my son, the miracle worker said that my son liveth. Glory to God. All right. Verse and, 51. Yep, let's read this. Okay. Let's just finish this up. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Thy son liveth. Then inquired he of them the hour when he began to amend. And they said unto him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. About one o'clock in the afternoon. So the father knew that it was the same hour in which Jesus had said unto him, Thy son liveth, and himself believed and his whole house. Notice that Jesus, the first question that Jesus asked, the man, and the, he, the first statement he made to the man is, Except you see a sign and a wonder, you will not believe. And how much you know, Jesus showed him a sign and a wonder. He showed him a sign and a wonder. He when Jesus said, thy son liveth, he went out, he, he went out by faith. But then when, his, when, he heard, when the servant came, he said, about what hour was that? And he said, about 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And, all, and now he believes on Jesus. He, be, he received Jesus as his Lord in that moment. Uh, so praise God. We see some great key points here. Uh, let's let's just pick up right here in um, chapter five. Oh, well, let's read fifty-four. Okay. It says this is this is again the second miracle that Jesus did when he was come out of Judea of Galilee. So we everybody knows the first miracle turned the water into wine. Very few people know what the second miracle was. The second miracle was he sent his word and raised the young man up from the point of death. Remember, uh, Jairus' daughter, Jairus, said she's at the point of death, and when Jesus arrived, she was not at the point of death, but she had already died. So this, young, this little boy may, may have been what Jesus called asleep. And he, and by, and he just sent his word, and uh, the child was raised from death or the point of death. Glory to God. That's, he's healed. He's healed. All right. Chapter 5. This is the next miracle that we need to look at in John. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. Okay. So instead of it saying sheep market, it really should say sheep gate sheep gate uh, this was the gate that the sheep that were coming in to be slaughtered were brought in through the sheep gate uh, so this was considered kind of probably not um, the best area of town because that's where all the livestock and everything are um, 
But at the same time, remember, Jesus is the sheep or the lamb slain for our benefit. And he came in, what does it say? Jesus came into town, how? Uh, by the sheep gate, the sheep gate. So this is a type and a shadow. Uh, the people around should have said, uh, who's that man coming in through the gate that the sheep come in? This is, this is a precursor that Jesus was the sheep that was going to be slain. It was a precursor to this. And uh, now, and, and so we kind of get to see that. But I want you to notice it says that there was a pool, which in the Hebrew tongue is called Bethesda, having five porches. Now, I've done some research because I've heard some different things about this pool of Bethesda. And in my mind, I thought pool with like five sun decks. That's not what this was. What this was was um, this was actually a very luxurious facility. So it's interesting that it was close by uh, the uh, Sheep Gate. It's very interesting that it was close by to the Sheep Gate. Um, but it was actually, the, the pool area was actually uh, very, they, they've actually found the pools of Bethesda, so they know exactly what they were. Um, and uh, really what it was, was it was two pools. There were two very, very elaborate pools. Uh, the, the, the area around the pools, the pools themselves were made out of uh, marble and, and very rich uh, materials. And um, it was just very ritzy. It was a very nice place. It was a place that people would come. Uh, these pools were typically places of leisure when they built these pools. And the five porches were... Um, they weren't really porches. They were more like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Columns, I guess you could say. Um, no, uh, the word will come to me. Like a colonnade, more like a colonnade type thing. So basically, think, so look at this. So we got the gray mat up here, right? So imagine there's a pool here and there's a pool here. Well, what these five porches means is there's a walking area, a covered walking area, a very nice breezeway walking area. It's got a roof on it. It's got marble on it, uh, the, the marble uh, pillars. The pillars have a lot of uh, gold and other um, decor items on them, and, and, it's, and it's a walkway. And it goes all the way the length, so one goes the full length of each side of the pool, and one goes on each end, so the pools are kind of boxed in by these large walking pathways. And then there's a pathway between them that are that is uh, also covered. So the pools are probably a little bigger than that area. Oh, yeah, they're huge. This is a huge area. But I was just trying to give you an idea. So um, the porches, what they called porches, were these, I believe the colonnade is the right word. I think that's the word I'm looking for. Uh, these colonnades... Uh, that which basically means arched columns that that are connected by a roof. So can you imagine this? Uh, so it's kind of like a fancy boardwalk or a, or a pier. More like a breezeway. Okay. More like a breezeway. You think about um, you see these big buildings, and they've got they've got a long pathway going from building to building, and there's a cover over it, and there's nice pillars holding up the roof. 
a skywalk type thing, uh, except for it's not closed in. Uh, that would be considered a colonnade. Gotcha. Yeah, it's on the grade. It's it's like a colonnade, but, but it, it's on the it's but it's ground like level. Kind of over the water slightly. No. No. Mm -mm. The pools are open. The pools are completely open. Gotcha. Completely open. Yeah, yeah there so, you go. Kind so of pool let's deck. say let's say there's a pool here and a pool here. Zach, slide your feet out of the way. There's I'm this really sure. wide, probably from the edge of this to the edge of that, there's this really cool, wide, can, a lot of people can fit under there, uh, covered porch, covered walkway. And this is where they get out on their decks and chairs and what have you. And there's one here, and there's one here. But, this, but the pools are out in the sun. There's one here, and then there's also one that divides between the two pools. There's one that divides between the two pools. That's what these covered, that's what these porches were, were these large areas where people could put their lounge chairs uh, or they put their lounging beds. This is an area where people would walk and socialize and, and what have you. Big lounging areas. Gotcha. Okay. So, that's what these were. So Bethesda. Uh, the Thayer's definition is house of mercy, and the Strong's definition is house of kindness. Right. So, uh, there was two different types of what you would call pools in, in and around uh, Jerusalem and, and all of the areas. The Romans had what they called uh, bathing areas. That's what this pool of Bethesda was like. They had these bathing areas where they would go and be luxuried and pampered and what have you. Uh, and many of these pool areas were dedicated to their gods, to, their, to the, the Romans and the Greeks. And they would dedicate these areas. They would basically be temples of leisure to their gods is what they would be. Uh, and then, because this was also the Jewish area, because there was a lot of Jews in the area, the Jews uh, also had what they called cleansing pools. And these cleansing pools were set up very similarly to the Greeks and the Romans' uh, leisure pools. They were very, very similar. The two were very similar. But the Jews... Healing pools or cleansing pools were most often at the synagogues. Makes sense, right? Because if you got to get if you got to get cleansed, you got to go see the priest. And the pools were used for cleansing the priest before the priest would do their sacraments and all of that. So it's largely believed that the pool of Bethesda was not a Greek or was not a Jewish cleansing pool, they believe that, uh, because Thesda means the house of mercy, they believe that this particular pool area and their coliseums belonged to uh, the Greek god, oh, let me pronounce his name right, a sleek, no, a sleek pious really weird there you go he's gonna say he's gonna pull it up and spell it it's like a s oh where'd it go s yeah i left my phone he'll pull it he'll get it he'll, we'll spell it in a minute um a sleep yeah it's 
Asclepius. That's his name. Asclepius. Asclepius. And how do we spell his name? Oh, goodness. A-S, or A-S-C-L-E-P-I-U-S. Say it again slower. Asclepius. And spell it one more time. Oh, spell it slower. Yes. A-S-C-L-E-P-I-U-S. Asclepius. Thank God she told it for me. Asclepius was the Greek god of healing. He was the Greek god of healing. He was the Greek god of mercy. And so it was common practice among the Jews to build healing pools to their god As Asclepius. Yeah, him. And uh, huh, Greek, yes. The Greeks. Greeks. This is very common for the Greeks to do this. But for some reason, uh, there was a man we're going to read about that, that though he was a Jew, he was at this pool. Now, we know this. <laughs> Let's read it, and I'll, I'll point it out all to right. you. Let's read it. Uh, all right, so uh, the Bethesda having five porches. So give you an idea Verse how big, I, I, I forgot to tell you this. To give you an idea of how big these colonnade areas are, there was probably a thousand or more people laying in them waiting for healing. That's how That's big the colonnade, these colonnade, colonnades are. They could, they, could easily, they could easily fit a thousand or more people in them. So in these porches lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool. Okay, pause right there. What comes down to the water? An angel. An angel. And most people read this and say, well, it's an angel, it's a god. But as we've learned from our studies, angel simply means messenger. Simply means messenger. There are a few translations that, that translate it the angel of God. But the, the original language only indicates messenger, messenger or angel, okay? So uh, we don't know if this is, so, so if this is, if this is truly the temple of the Greek god of healing, then it would be his angel or his messenger that would come down and trouble the water. Well, but they're demons. What do you mean they'll heal them? Well, listen. If those gods didn't ever do anything good, nobody would follow them. Right. And the reason that people followed them is because from time to time they did good things. And they believed that if they did everything right that their God would approve of them, that God would bless them. Satan will heal some to deceive people. To deceive people. So it is entire so more than likely, uh, I, I don't see God sending one of his angels to a to basically a a uh healing temple of 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 Asclepius. a false god to uh to heal people i don't really see that happening so let's keep reading all right for an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. Now, it doesn't tell us if this man is Jew, Greek, whatever. It doesn't tell us. And a certain man was there, 
which had an infirmity 30 and 8 years. When Jesus saw him lie and, and knew that he had been now a long time in, the, in well, that's in italicized, yep. had, had been now a long time, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? Doesn't the man, do you have faith? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man. And that's that capitalized sir again. I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. So here Jesus is. Talk about causing an upheaval. Jesus comes in on the Sabbath day when they're not supposed to be doing any work. He goes to the enemy's healing pool on the Sabbath, and he goes, and he finds himself a man that has some faith, and he says, you got faith to get healed? And the man said, every time the water's troubled, I'm coming. He's got faith. He said, but somebody gets there before I do. Oh, look at how man, oh, look at what the scribes do. Come on. Look at how bad the scribes get. Where are we at? I was just looking up that word, sir. All right, so, uh, so verse 10. The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, it was the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. So now we know that this man is a Jew because they said it's not lawful for you to carry your bed. So now this man is a Jew. So why is a Jew at a pagan temple? Because he was desperate to be healed. How much do you know Christians get involved in all kinds of foreign religious medicine because they're so desperate to be healed. They're, he was desperate. He was desperate. I believe that man laying in that pagan bathhouse looking for healing any way he could get it, I believe he was calling out to the Father. Father, just, Father, I need to be, Father, heal me, O oh God. And I believe the Father, I believe our Father God heard him from heaven and, and the Spirit of God dropped down in Jesus and led Jesus to that man in that pagan house. Thousands. How did he know which one to go to? How did he know? How did he know? Because the Holy Spirit led him there. Why did the Holy Spirit lead him there? Because the man, even though he was sitting, because as, as far as he knew, that was the only tangible place to get healing for what his ailment was. So he was there, but he was still dependent and crying on God. And I believe the Holy Spirit led, the, led Jesus to him. Come on, let's read a little bit more. All right. So this word, sir, up in verse 7, it, the, it's a uh, kurios. Is, is the uh, Greek word, and it says, He to whom a person or thing belongs, about which he has power of deciding, such as master or lord, the possessor and dispossessor of a thing. Um, in, the, in the state, the sovereign prince chief, the Roman emperor, is, so, a t is a title of honor, expressive of respect and reverence, with which servants greet their master. The title is given to God and the Messiah. Yep. 
So, so the man recognized him. So when Jesus walked up, he said, I recognize you as the Messiah. And that gave Jesus authority to heal him. Because right, so, he's a Jew. So verse 11? Yep. Okay. He answered them, he, he that made me whole, the same said unto me, take up thy bed and walk. Then asked they him, what man is that which said unto thee, take up thy bed and walk? And he that was healed wist not, wist not who it was. For Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. In other words, he looked around. Now this is interesting. The Jews are all mad that, Je mad that Jesus came to the pool of Bethesda and healed this man. But what were the Jews doing there in the first place? It's the Sabbath. What are they doing in the first place there? They're breaking the law themselves. Well, if they're hanging out at the pool, they're probably relaxing. But Okay. <laughs> Scribes and Pharisees, what are you doing in this house? Okay. Come on. The pagan place of worship on the Sabbath, what are you doing there? Come on. <laughs> Come on. Okay. So afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon thee. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Where did, where did the man go immediately? The man went immediately to the synagogue to show himself to the priest. So it's possible that he went to show himself to the priest on the Sabbath. It is possible. We find that out a little, as we just read. Uh, but either way, uh, he's in front of these scribes. And, uh, but the indication is that he was there. The indication he was still at the pool and looked around and said, I don't see him. And then later, because he had to go to the priest to show himself clean, uh, Jesus is there in the temple. And he said, I see that you're cured. Now go and do what? Sin no Sin more. Sin no more. Sin will block your healing and sin will cause you to lose your healing once you obtain it. We talked about that in this morning's service. And uh, we're not going to repeat that for the sake of time. But look at that. Jesus said, go and sin no more. I want to look at one more healing. This is the last healing in the, go in, in the Gospels that, uh, were, uh, that took place. And then this is in John chapter 9. John chapter 9. Gonna have to read fast. Uh, and there's there's a there's a tremendous amount here, um, but so we'll just pick up in verse one and we'll try to get through all of it. All right. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, "Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind?" Jesus answered, "Neither. Has this man sinned?" nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. This is another place where people uh, get into, oh, I, God put this on me so I could show, show right. his mercy and right. stuff. Right. Uh, they asked, they asked uh, why was the man born blind? The thinking is, is if your child is born blind or sick or with some type of ailment, you obviously sinned. You opened the door. But we know that Satan attacks people that are living perfectly clean and perfectly right. Uh, look at uh, Brother Randy and Miss Patty living clean, living pure, living right. And Randall, 
I mean, you know, partway through her pregnancy, they go in to do a scan to make sure everything's okay. And he's actually, and the embryo is actually detached uh, from the wall of the womb. And they're like, you're going on bed rest. Her mother was with her, and the doctor said, she can't do anything or she'll lose this baby. Her mom said, I'm taking her home. I'm laying her, I'm putting her in the bed. She won't do anything. Trust me. <laughs> from, what I, from what I understand of Patty's mama, uh, you didn't mess with her. And uh, so she was on bed rest for the good majority of the pregnancy. And then when Randall was born, they had to fight for his life. The doctor said that even if he did survive, he'd be nothing more than a vegetable all the days of his life. He'd never run, play, uh, be a normal child in any way. And that was if he lived. And uh, Brother Randy looked at, you know, when he was born, the doctors went to working on him immediately. And, and Randy was in the room, and, uh, and uh, Randall went into, like, these little seizures. And uh, the doctor said, I'm doing everything I can, but it doesn't look good, and I need you to get out of this room. And Brother Randy said, uh, Doc, you do your job, and I'll do mine, and we're going to let God do his, and my son will be healed. And so, they, so the doctor was doing what he knew in the natural Brother Randy was doing what he knew according to the word. He was out there praying and interceding for his son and for his, himself and his wife, praying and believing. And, and, and Randall, uh, the doctors got Randall under control. But for months, they had, I mean, this is back in the day when uh, you could get a, a car phone, but it was the big pack, you know, and it was like in the suitcase, and it was expensive. They had to get one of those. Uh, in case something happened with Randall, they had to be able to get, you know, Miss Patty had to get a hold of Randy in a moment's notice. And so they had to have this. They had their own, they had their own VIP suite in the uh, emergency room and in the uh, NICU. They come running into the hospital with them in, 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 uh, in, in full-blown seizure or whatever. And I mean, the, hospital, the, the, the ER said, come, come, come. They knew right where to go and everything. Uh, he, they have this thing in the in the NICU units that when a baby's in the NICU for extended, extended, an extended period of time at the hospital he was born in, the baby's not expected to live, the baby lives. They have what they call a NICU reunion. And uh, it, it's, I don't know when he was two or five or something, beyond the point of when they thought he was going to survive, he went for his reunion and all the nurses just loved all over him everything. But they all said, it's a miracle he's alive. This is how his life started. Brother Randy was living pure and clean. Miss Patty, listen, Miss Patty didn't even date anybody until she was, until Brother Randy came along and God told her, that's your husband. They met, time went by, they dated. He, he, uh, he proposed. She said yes. Then they had to deal with the dad. They were married. I mean, just doing things right, serving God. And, and their child's life is in, horrible situation there's a lot more to it but today that young man that was going to be a vegetable that was never going to he wasn't going to live he wasn't and if he did live he wasn't going to be a vegetable he wasn't ever going to run play talk anything that young man at the age of 30 is a captain pilot for a private corporate jet company he's not just a pilot he's their top pilot he was their top pilot at the age of 25 or 26. 
He's uh, flight certified. I think he's let two of his certifications go, and I, because you have to have a certification for every plane you fly. Uh, I think he. I think last time we talked to him, was he releasing two, which left him with three certifications? I think that's right. I think that's right. He uh, he owns his own house. He's he's paying off his own house. He's got his own car. Uh, flies planes all over the country and out of the country. Power of God. Power of God. Anyways, it goes to show you that that God does turn all things to the good for those who believe. And he will uh, take the opportunity to show his goodness through the, the bad things that happen. That's what I was going to tell you. Because uh, they wanted to know, why was this child blind? They could, the doc, there was no medical reason for Randall to have the seizures. And this went on for months. And Brother Randy, Miss Pettigong grew up running errands and what have you, and Brother Randy was at, the, at home with, with Randall taking care of him, and he was pacing the floor and praying and seeking the Lord to what was going on with Randall, how to pray, how to get him healed, because they'd been doing this, going on like this for months. And all of a sudden, the Lord showed him. He said, that's a demon attacking your child. Why was the demon attacking the child? To bankrupt Brother Randy and Miss Patty. Why did he want to bankrupt them? Because he has a ministry that reaches around the world. Amen. That's why. So sometimes sickness comes on the children uh, because the devil is trying to take the children out. Or their parents. Or their parents out. Uh, so that that child or those parents don't fulfill the plan and the will of God. That's true. That's why. That sometimes. Now, but that doesn't mean that God puts those things on no, you. No, that's the he devil. He doesn't put those things on you, but he uses those opportunities to show his goodness. Right, and that's what he was saying. Jesus said, neither one of these has sinned. Basically, he said, neither one of these has sinned. He said, but the devil's doing this. But he didn't want to give the devil glory. He knew the devil was doing it. He didn't want to give the devil the glory. So he said, well, because this child's blind, we're going to get uh, to get him healed, and God's going to get the praise. He wanted to put the glory on the Father God, not on the work of Satan. Right. So verse 4, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. There's when, a whole lot there about Jesus being the Messiah. We're talking healing. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is in, by interpretation sent. Now notice it said that Jesus... Let, uh, put the spit, put the mud that he made on the eyes of who? The man. The man. The man. That means this is no longer a child. This is no longer a child. This is a grown man. And and uh, and the disciples here they got a grown man, and the man said, "I've been blind since I was a child." And so they automatically they started blaming the parents. Started blaming the parents, and Jesus said, "No." He said, "Nothing that the parents did. Nothing that this young child did." Think about it. How can a child sin in the womb? Come on. Right. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. 
the neighbors therefore, and they which were which before had seen him that he was blind, said, This is not is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. But he said, I am he. Therefore said they unto him, How were thine eyes opened? He answered and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed mine eyes, and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed. Now the and I received of, sight. So we just read about the pool of Bethesda. This is the pool of Siloam. Uh, the indication here is the pool of Siloam is, uh, is one of the Jewish priest pools that you could wash in to be cleansed, to be healed. So, you know, the devil has a counterfeit for everything. So just like uh, Jesus said, go wash in the healing pools of the Jews, guess what? The Greek, God, the, Greeks had a, the Greek gods had a counterfeit healing pool. That was the pool of Bethesda. But this young man, or this man, uh, it doesn't say young man, so this is a man, this is an adult man, he goes to the, pool, uh, the healing pool of the priest. At least that's the indication. All right. Verse 8. Oh, no, we're farther down than that. Where are we at? Yes, we're on Verse 12. 12. Sorry. Okay. Then said they unto him, Where is he? He said, I don't, I know not. They brought to the, uh, they, they brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind. And it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Well, of course. Right. Then again, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He said unto them, He put clay upon mine eyes, and I washed, and do see. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, This man is not of God, because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, How can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. They say unto the blind man again, what sayest thou of him, that he hath opened thine eyes? He said, He is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him, that he had been blind and received his sight, until they called the parents of him that had received his sight. Isn't that just like religious people? Just like religious people. Well, God didn't do it the way I think it needed to be done or at the time that I felt like it needed to be done or whatever. So this can't be the hand of God. This is just a coincidence of man or it's the hand of Satan, one of the two. So they said, well, uh, we don't know which one it is. Let's call the parents because we think this guy's lying and making up a miracle. So they called the parents. I love the parents' response. The parents' response is amazing. All right. And they asked them saying, is this your son? Who ye say was born blind? Now then, doth or how, he, or, or how, how, then? how then doth he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, that he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age, ask him. He shall speak for himself. They said, he's a full-grown adult. Obviously, he's above the age of 30. They said, he's of the age. He's above the age of 30. He's reached. He's no longer a child. He's no longer a young man. He's man. He's reached the age of full accountability, uh, according to Jewish law. And they said, we don't know. Talk to him. Isn't that awesome? 
How much do you know that people, when you, when, when you receive a miracle, people are going to come to your friends and go, how did that happen? How did that happen? Did that really happen that way? Why? Because they doubt. They can't believe it's possible. Things are occurring that go beyond their natural understanding. These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had, already, had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. Now, isn't that interesting? They said that this was their answer uh, because they feared the Jews. How much do you know that child's been blind since he came out of the womb? How much do you know once he got clearance from the priest, where's the first thing he's going? First place he's going. First place he's going is mama and daddy. First place. The first people he's going to find is mom and dad. Why? Because they ain't going to question it. They know that he was blind. And, they, and he wants them to know that the God that they had always taught him about, the Messiah, was here. And the Messiah is here. And the Messiah healed. Of course he's going to go to mom and dad first. So they weren't exactly on the up and up when they said, we don't know. <laughs> I mean, they and, and it was and it was a fair answer because he wasn't they weren't there when it happened. But ba basically they avoided answering. Yeah. They dodged Anyways, the question. Therefore said his parents, he is of age, ask him. Verse twenty four. Then again called they the man that was blind, and said unto him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. <laughs> okay. He answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know that whereas I was blind, now I see. Notice it says, really what they were asking a question. Basically they were saying. They wanted him to say that Jesus was a sinner. <laughs> basically they said, they called him again and said to him, uh, you're giving God the praise, but we know this man's a sinner. They were putting the man on trial. They were, listen, the devil will try to get you to stop praising God for your healing. That's what these people were doing. They were saying, you're giving God the praise, but that man's a sinner. This is a Jew. He knows according to Jewish law, you're not supposed to be in fellowship with the sinners. And so he's going, don't you know he's a sinner? Why are you giving God praise? They're causing, they're trying to get him in doubt and unbelief, and they're, causing, and they're trying to get him, the demons behind these people are trying to get him to deny his healing. That's what they're trying to get him, that's what these demons behind the scenes are trying to get him to do. If God does something for you, don't deny it. Don't deny it. A lot of people do that. They'll say, well, you used to have a limp. What happened there? Oh, I just started walking right. No, give God the glory. Amen. No. No. God healed it. Jesus took care of it. Well, let me tell you, I was at church and they were preaching this. And, 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 they, can, and they said, if you have an ailment, come up. Let me lay hands on you. They laid hands on me. And I'm telling you what, I haven't limped a day since. Give God the glory. Amen. Give him the glory. Because Jesus said this, if you deny me before man, I'll deny you before the Father. So if you deny that Jesus heals you, you're on re you are on dangerous ground for losing your healing. The devil's, it's a counterattack. Come on, let's keep going. All right. 
is what Jesus says is amazing. Verse 26. Then said they, and they to him again, What did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? He answered them, I have told you already. Ye did not hear. Wherefore would ye hear it again? Will ye also be his disciples? Boy, he was really rubbing it in. He was irritated at this point. I mean, they've asked him like five times. And they'd called his parents in. They called and then his they brought him back. In, and, like, he's a, like he's a little like a little toddler child. Like seriously? Can you imagine the age you are right now? And your boss or your pastor calling your parents in and going, Is this really true? Can you imagine? <laughs> Might not get an answer. Might not get the right answer. Let's read. Then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spake unto Moses. As for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. The man answered and said unto them, Why herein is a marvelous thing, that ye know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners. But if any man be a worshiper of God and doth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man, op that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins. And dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? Isn't this amazing? This blind boy, this blind Jewish man, man who had obviously <laughs> been taught the laws of the Jews, he had obviously been taught the Jews, man, how much you know when you've been blind for 30 plus years and then all of a sudden... The Messiah comes and makes you see. Don't you think you'd get a little bit bold? At first, he was just answering their questions. At first, he wasn't saying anything that could get them riled up. But at this point, they pushed this thing so far that he said, fine. You want my answer? Here's what your scriptures say. Here's what your scriptures say. All right, so Jesus asked him, Does thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen, and it is he that talketh with thee. Basically, Jesus said, You're looking at him. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world, that they which see not might see. And they, that they which see might be made blind. Glory to God. Now that sounds a little contradictory and a little confusing, but how much you know? He's talking to them he's, about spiritual things in the kingdom of God. And he's talking about the Pharisees that were, that were willfully being blind right. to the evidence that was placed right before, before them. He said, he said, for judgment I am come into this world. Jesus is a loving God. He's the loving Son of God. The Father God's a loving God. But Jesus came for judgment. That's why he came. He didn't come to accept the world like it is. He came for judgment. 
And he said, they which see not might see. In other words, they that aren't looking at religion, they that are not looking at the world. How much you know this man was not looking at the world? He was looking to God. He worshiped God. He was looking to God. And, and then he said, and they, which see, uh, and they which see might be made blind. He said, basically he was saying, you Pharisees, he said, you see the world and because of it, you're blind to the spirit. That's essentially what he was saying. That's essentially what he was saying. How much do you know? Uh, when we're wrapped up in the world, we become blind to spiritual things. Come on. Glory to God. Right. And then it goes on. Jesus begins to teach uh, an amazing teacher, uh, an amazing teaching about him being the great shepherd. And uh, we may teach on this sometime in the near future. Uh, but this is one of the spots that Jesus says, look out for the false teachers and the false prophets. Look out for the wolves in sheep's clothing. He said, basically, basically he was saying, unless a minister comes by the hand of God, they're a wolf in sheep's clothing. Basically what he said. In other words, he began to teach about the mindsets of false teachers off of this. Why? Because these false teachers kept saying, kept challenging him. Challenging over and over and over again. Did you really save this man? Did you really heal this man? Aren't you a sinner? Are you really the son of God? And so Jesus begins to teach us how to spot and identify the devil and, and, and the devil working through people, especially religious people, especially ministers, especially ministers. But who's behind it at all times? The thief. It's the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. If there's a minister that's ministering uh, things that don't line up and agree with the word, how much you know they're a thief to destroy your faith? It goes into that, but we want to say on the healing side of it, uh, you know, this man believed. He sought for God for 30 years. Some people, many people will say, well, I prayed for this healing, and it didn't happen on my schedule, so I guess God's not going to heal me. No. Satan is going to withstand you to prevent you from receiving your healing any way possible. I, I distinctly remember, and this really sticks with me, uh, I heard a testimony, I, I read it, um, of a woman whose, whose little girl was crippled and, and uh, her body was contorted by polio. By polio. And, uh, she, and, and she went and she had uh, hands laid on her little girl for healing. And nothing happened. Nothing happened. But every night... That woman at bath time would put her little child in the tub and would bathe her little daughter. And as she bathed her daughter, she just praised and said, Jesus is coming to my house and, and he's going to and he's going to heal and straighten my daughter's body. Jesus is coming to my house. And when he does, my body's my daughter's body will be made straight. She did this every night. I don't remember if she did it every night for 14 years or 16 years. But she did this every single night of her daughter's life until she was 14 or 16 years old. And all of a sudden, one night, her daughter was in the tub and she was washing her. And all of a sudden, her body started to contort and twist and, and, and things were popping and snapping and moving. And her body was contorting and she was freaking out. 
but she noticed her daughter was happy and giggling. Her daughter was happy and giggling in the tub. And so she realized, this is Jesus. And, and the popping and the cracking went on for several minutes. And her body continued to contort into normal shape. And uh, when the popping and the cracking and the contorting were done, her, body, her little girl's body was perfectly normal. How much do you know? She had to stand. She had to stand for 14 or 16 years from the time that minister prayed over her daughter. She just stood. She said, I won't be denied. So you just have to say, I'm not going to be denied. Father, I thank Praise you. God. Father, I thank you. I've received my healing. Father, I thank you. I've been made totally whole. Father, I thank you that I've received perfect eyesight. Father, I thank you that I've been delivered from uh, stomach issues. Father, I thank you that I've been healed and redeemed from Parkinson's. Father, I thank you that my legs and my knees have been made whole. Father, I thank you that I've been set free from this swelling in my body. Father, I thank you that I've been set free from depression and uh, dementia and, and other mental ailments. Father, I thank you that I've been set free. You just got to stay with it. You just got to stay with it. You just got to stay with it. And as you stay with it, your healing will manifest. And then when you get your healing, of course, it's right and, and a good thing to share that with yes, others. Testify. To, to testify. To give God the glory. Yes, yes Richard. Praise God. Praise God. Very God. Praise God. Praise God. You are see, healed. See, that, that, that stuff's healed. a testimony. It's That's a sign testimony. and a wonder to the unbelievers. Yes, it is. I'm so... Steve, Steve, Steve um, had a hard time believing in, in laying on of hands and, and the healing. But, you know, I've been walking with him and hiking with him, and, and, and I... I so I got, my hand got healed. And so when we went hiking this last week, I was talking about it and showing him and stuff. And he goes, I know, you just showed me your hand a week ago. Isn't that the awesome power of God? Awesome power of God. God's a healer. We just got to put our faith in him and refuse to be moved. Tithes and offerings for those that have a tithe and an offering. Miss Judy, are we going to, this is it. You'll be here Wednesday night. <laughs> okay. Oh, it's, okay, well, we will, we will love you and bless you Wednesday for sure, and uh, glory to God, we might have to pop, we'll, we'll, we'll do our best to pop in on Mike and bless him as well, glory to God. We're going to run out of time. We're week. out of time, just pray, <laughs> oh, we're out of time this week, All right. come on. Lord, Lord, we, uh, I said we do our best. We thank you for your word, and we thank you for your miraculous healing power. We thank you for the ability to lay hands on people and for them to recover. Lord, we thank you that, that you have given us this ability, that you've given us the authority of your name, and that you, that you gave your, your life on the cross, and you bore those stripes so that we wouldn't have to, Lord. And we have faith that you did that, and that you did that for us, Lord, so that we would not have to bear these sicknesses, we would not have to bear this, these diseases, that, that we could just, we could lay it down and lay it at your feet, and you would take it for us, Lord. And we just love you for that. Lord, we, we ask that you, um, well, Lord, we're going to give an offering, 
We're going to give an offering to you because we want to see your work done here on earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, we just ask that you bless it, that it go further than we could ever ask, hope, or think towards the doing of your word. And Lord, we just ask that you bless us in return so that we can be a bigger blessing. Lord, we know that you give us the ability, you give us the power, you give us the health to do our jobs and to do the things that, that, that earn us money, Lord. And we know that without you, we wouldn't be able to do these things. So we give unto your kingdom and we give with a joyous heart. And we know that you will bless us and that you will make us an even bigger blessing. Satan, we bind you in the name of Jesus. You cannot come to steal, kill, and destroy. You will not take our health. You will not take our finances. You will not take our things. You are bound in Jesus' name, and you must flee. Lord, we just thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank in you, Jesus Father. In Jesus' name. We do glorify you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. If you watch this program online and you need healing, uh, Reach out to us. Call us or email us. This is by the Spirit. Call us or email us. D-H, the, the, the email address is dhmmain, M-A-I-N, at gmail.com. Give us your name and what you need healing for, and we're going to pray and believe that you receive your healing manifestation. Uh, it's just by the Holy Ghost. I, I don't think we've ever done that before, but just while he was praying, I just heard the Lord say, uh, you, the people that are online, if y'all reach out, we'll pray for you and believe for you. And we believe you'll see your miracle. Amen. Thank you, Father. Father, we glorify you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Father, we thank you. We thank you. You can serve the people. Uh, give you glory and honor. It's a bit, uh, it's a quiet week, but it's also a 